Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hi, my name is Dr. Nick Smolowski, and I'm a geoholic. Thank you for tuning in to another not-so-flat edition of Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We at Bad Elf live our lives 60 spatial seconds at a time, and we know you do too. As always, our goal is to cram the most relative spatial news content into the shortest space and time possible. For this week's spatial news, we are discussing the most accurate flat map ever conceived. Now, don't get confused with those tinfoil hat-wearing Flat Earth Society people. This new map was created by astrophysicists at Princeton University. As we know, Earth is a sphere. Well, actually, it's a spheroid uh, to all you geodesists out there. But how can you accurately map something that's spherical on a 2D plane? According to these researchers, simply flatten the Earth into two pancakes, one depicting the northern hemisphere and the other the southern, with the equator running along the edge, seems to do the trick. Hopefully you can imagine what that would look like. If you can't, we recommend Google searching it. These pancakes represent the most accurate flat map of the Earth ever made, the study claims. Unlike other flat maps, this map doesn't downsize or upsize any geographic area, say, like our Mercator maps and Google does. Really good when zoomed in, but distorted widely when zoomed out. I don't know about you, but this sounds pretty map-tastic, don't you think? All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's 60 Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you've enjoyed our selected story of the week, and as always, if you have any questions about this news, about bad elf global positioning systems, or any other pressing existential thoughts about the cosmos, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channel. Live long and prosper, y'all. Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping, Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, Get Kids Into Survey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, Mentoring Mondays, Dot XYZ. Monson Engineering, MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College, parkland.edu forward slash land dash serving. Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us. And last but not least, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com. Hello, Geoholics. Wow, that's some great intro music right there. What do you guys think? It was pretty good. Solid local music. It, it might be a keeper. We'll see. We'll introduce that band here in a second. But before we do, thanks so much for listening to this show and welcome to episode 72. Shoots, what do you got for 72? I got William the Refrigerator. Oh, Aaron. wow. God bless you. <laughs> I forgot about that guy. He was 1985 uh, first round, 22nd overall pick out of Clemson. Uh yep. Won Super Bowl twenty with the Chicago Bears and had one of the greatest touchdowns ever in Super Bowl Well, history. hold on a second. He stole that touchdown from Walter Payton. Ah, uh, he had it, though. Uh, Come yeah, on. it should have been Walter that scored, though. That's so, the only thing about that touchdown. And then a little, little known fact, he was inducted into the WWE Hall mm. of Fame in 2006. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. He's a big boy. 
doesn't necessarily need to be a uh, football only. He's a wrestling Hall of Famer mm-hmm. as well. And then as a homer, I got to give the honorable mention to OCU Minora. Oh, Two-time Super Bowl champ for with, sure. the, with the Giants. So. No question, no question. Thanks for giving some love to the Bears. I appreciate it. Of course. That. With the refrigerator? Come they on. need all the love they can get. Too. Is your refrigerator <laughs> Perry running? <laughs> all right, guys. These uh, Look at Shoots. He's got the, the branded Bills Geoholics hat on. These things are an absolute hit. If any of you want one, in addition to a bunch of other Geoholics swag, it's really simple. Just become a Geoholics patron. Visit patreon.com and search for the geoholics just like that. Just like the COVID vaccine. It's painless and the return on investment is off the charts. What do you think about Well, that? they probably look better on other people than me. No, it looks good. Now that we're in HD. Looks good on you. <laughs> hey, uh, Jake, tell us about uh, that opening number there. Sure, that's going to be rose-colored eyes, the touch. So rose-colored eyes was sent straight from the gods and are a deep breath of fresh air for any rock fan. Hailing from Phoenix, Arizona, rose-colored eyes are a raw and stripped-down power trio with dirty guitar riffs, deep bass lines, and thunderous drumming. Rose-colored eyes... Hurricanes, that's, that's called Harkins. Harkins, Harkins back, back to a familiar place and a perfect memory when rock and roll was true, real and true. They're an enthralling band to watch and a great rock and roll experience for any listener. He's a very literal, pretty wordy. He's every a literal week guy. it gets every he's word, a literal week, guy. Week it gets wordier and wordier. <laughs> so, so the lovely Megan and I saw them open up for our good friends, the Black Moods, and uh, they were pretty amazing. To be honest with you, if you like that kind of hard rock. You know, hitting classic rock style. Definitely check them out. And they're really good guys. They hurken me back to better times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout out to this week's featured friend of the program. This week we have Mentoring Mondays. Do you ever wish that you could have a weekly cup of coffee with like-minded surveying professionals? We are here to tell you that you can do just that by participating in the virtual Mentoring Mondays for Land Surveyors program. This is a weekly Zoom meeting featuring live questions and answers on your favorite surveying topics. Every Monday, the forum is hosted by a rotating series of guest speakers who are among the best in the survey business, in addition to, of course, friend of the program, Mr. Trent Keenan. Think of Mentoring Mondays as the weekly office hours of the surveying profession. The meeting room is open and available to anyone in the profession who is looking to stay informed on current industry topics and trends, or just needs a little more help understanding a specific topic within the profession. So whether you're a freshman in college or a 50-year professional and surveyor looking to contribute your wisdom and experience, Mentoring Mondays is for you. To find out more, simply visit www.mentoringmondays.xyz. Easy enough. Easy enough. Easy enough. Really great platform. Trent's doing some really great things with that. So Definitely check it out. Solid dude. <clears throat> For all you G's, solid dude. Weekly pod word. All right. So here we go. Uh, let's get back to... Oh, wait. First of all, you know what we got to do? We got to draw last month's winner. Yes. Here. Let me have your hat real quick. Okay. Oh, don't uh, don't look at my hair. I, I got this. I got all these. I'll block I got out your video here. here. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Names in here. All right. Here you go. So the winner of last month's... Connie Barrett watercolor self-portrait is? Mr. Kent Sully. Kent Sully. Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. Let me dump these out. Yeah, there you (laughs) go. Kent's a great guy, man. He's he's definitely going to take advantage of that. So the pod word for this episode is... We're going to keep it really simple. Mentoring. <laughs> Mentoring Mondays. Mentoring, yeah. It makes so much sense. Yep. So just a reminder, listen every week. Make note of each episode's pod word. At the end of the month, email all pod words to us, 
and your name will be entered into the drawing for that month's listener prize, which this month is a, get this, you guys don't even know about this, Mm-mm. a safety apparel safety pack generously donated by Matthew Stansbury and Safety Apparel. Am I still not allowed to enter? Go for it. Okay. I'm Go doing it this it. Yeah. I'm doing it this month. You guys are all Go doomed. for it. Yeah. Uh so, so anyways, now you have to I enter. Pick, I pick the name. If I pick my own name, is that like huge That'd be bad. Business? It'd be really yeah. bad. Yeah. Well now everyone you okay. extra motivation for everyone else to uh, enter so they, they make sure that you don't win. I'll I'll let Jake <laughs> pick the name next month. There you go. Conflict of interest. <laughs> so just to be clear one more time, the pod word for this episode is mentoring. <laughs> He so forgot mentoring it or mentor? <laughs> mentoring. I didn't it's know mentoring. if there was the ing on it. I was totally caught on the spot. Oh my god! All I right, was going to say mentor, but I was like, "That's not right." <laughs> All right. Let's catch up the boys. Producer Jake, what's new, man? How's it going, guys? Um, yeah. So, really cool thing happened to me this weekend, oh. out of the blue, spontaneously. If you see in my background, I got to see. Um, this is I didn't take this picture, but I got to see Boeing's new jet um, this past weekend. It landed for whatever reason at Mesa Gateway to do some brake testing. Um, so I, I saw I was on Twitter and I saw that someone had tweeted like, "Hey, it's, it's on its way," and I just jumped in the car and drove out there and wow. just ran up as close as we could find the, the best spot to run up as close as I could and got to see this thing land. So pretty cool to see that some new generation um, jet in person for the first time, probably several years before the average. Wow. That's pretty cool, person. man. So I probably saw the thing fly over my house. And probably. Realize it was it. pretty loud, too. I mean, the engines are massive. So Is it like bigger than the average jet or anything? Like that? It's not exactly larger, but the engines are big. And oh, just okay. like fuel like efficient and just new tech and all that kind of sort of stuff super cool gotcha awesome ryan how about you um well it's been a slow weekend for me boys not nothing really fun and exciting to talk about other than jj watt coming to the arizona cardinals that's a big deal that's all they've been talking about he got the 99 jersey too oh yeah he got Mm -hmm. it out of retirement and uh don crow hair guy apparently gave the news out early he did i actually got a haircut from uh don crow hair guy no Noted uh, Arizona Cardinals insider. Haircutter of the stars. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I was getting my haircut last Friday. And he goes, keep on a look. He goes, keep a lookout. He goes, watch what happens to J.J. Watt. It's a fortune like, teller. I'm like, what, what's what? going on? He goes, I can't say anymore. I can't say anymore. I'm like, all right. So next thing you know, fucking J.J. Watt's coming to the Cardinals. Yeah. I asked him. I was like, is J.J. going to get his haircut by him? Blew his mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> JJ, me, and Cliff. Oh, oh wow. God. That's a power trio. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. Oh, that's a power trio right there. Well, no doubt about it. And now I found out that I'm very offended that Jake came all the way out to Williams Gateway and didn't stop. I was on house. a mission. It was a direct <laughs> mission. Dude, I am literally like two miles away. You could have stopped by, <laughs> oh, had some God. fun. I did. What, you, you know what I thought about? You could have delivered some Legos you? to Hudson. When I, the whoa, silos. Whoa, whoa. When I passed the silos, <laughs> that's why I was like, oh, maybe I should go see, see Ryan. That's where everybody was. Sunday family it was day. Early. Uh, Didn't want to bother you. Uh, you were Sunday, cutting the grass or something like that. I think I actually did mow the lawn Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dad. <laughs> what about you, Kent? What was your oh, last week? Oh, man. Uh, well, I went fishing on Saturday. Uh, six hours. Didn't catch a damn thing. But the silver lining is that we got what's going to be an awesome podcast out of the whole trip. It's going to be amazing. So stay tuned for that. Other than that, you know, finishing up the tiny piney pub. So anyone that's come, anyone that's listening, if you're ever driving through pine, Arizona, for some crazy ass <laughs> reason, give me a shout. Beers on me. Stop by the pub. Stop by the pub. Absolutely. 
for sure. But entrance, you have to show proof that you're a Geoholics patron and YouTube subscriber. Just show your tattoo. It's yeah, really there you easy. go. Yeah, it's tattoo, really easy. hat, yeah. you know, something, something along those exactly, lines. Exactly. Stickers, whatever it is. Yeah. Something Geoholic. Speaking of the aforesaid safety apparel, it's time for the safety apparel safety share. Shoots, what do you got this week? Uh, well, I got a text from my mother today saying it was 10 degrees in York, Maine. That's not And good. snowing, and she lost power, and we're... A balmy 72 degrees here today. Mm. I think even higher than that. It but, might be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about winter driving safety because that <laughs> makes sense for us, right? Zero <laughs> sense. <laughs> On average, uh, there's about 6,250 people are killed in weather-related crashes and another 480,000 are injured yearly. Wow. Which That's is dark. crazy. Yeah. Well, mm. uh, some some tips to for your winter driving safety. Maintain your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. Make sure you put your antifreeze in there. Make sure your um, windshield wipers are up to date. All that good stuff. If you get stuck in your car or your car won't start, the biggest thing they tell you, Mm. don't panic. Because you're wasting energy. When you're panicking and freaking out, you're wasting energy. Yeah, exactly. But know that ahead of time. Uh, Big thing is plan your route. Know where you're going. Try and do it during the day. Try and do it at the best weather conditions. And then items to have in your vehicle. Simple as a flashlight, jumper cables, warning devices like flares, stuff like that. Just make sure. Or you could have sand for traction if you need it. Mm. Yeah, we don't think about this because we, uh-uh. we, we live out here. Never had to live that life before. I was reading it today, and I'm like, yeah, I never drove in, in New York when I lived there. So you, I'm sure Dilfy Dilf over here is yeah. used to this stuff, and a few of our friends of the program on here tonight are, but not us. So I wanted to throw it out there with the weather being that way and that whole recent Texas swing and – Crazy shit. Going how, on. how we just that was had, unbelievable. We're, we're, we're spoiled rotten. Let's we really are. One of our guests tonight is from Texas, so he might be able to shed some light on that. Anything else, man? No, that's it. That uh, I figured that would be easy enough and uh, kind of get the point across. Good don't, deal. Don't panic. That's the biggest thing. Easier I, said I, than I, done. I put it in all caps. Just don't panic mm, and be prepared. Yeah. Yep, yep, easier said than done. All right, let's get on with this. So our guest tonight, we have a, this is one of our roundtable discussions, and of course the topic tonight is going to be field notes. So we have, we, we have a great panel with us. We have Phil Adams, who is a PLS, Ryan Swingley, who is a PLS, and Phil Fedor, who is a PLS. Um, lots of good wisdom here that we're going to bring into this. So real quick, I'm going to let these guys tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Self-introductions. Phil Adams, and let you go first. Just, I mean, obviously I said your name already. Tell us about your serving, your current job or role, and if you were stuck in a blizzard, what's the one food that you would want to have? So, Phil, go ahead. Go first. Philip Adams. Uh, I'm the president and CEO of Adams Surveying in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we're a big con- commercial construction uh, surveying outfit, large-scale uh photogrammetry and uh, remote sensing uh, department as well. Uh, had the company about 11 or 12 years, been serving about 40 years now. And if I was stuck in a blizzard, the one thing, one food that I'd want to have, uh, I'd have to say peanut butter. Oh yes. I love peanut Easy butter. Enough. That's smart too. Uh, a lot yeah, of protein. A lot of protein. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good choice. The wisdom, the wisdom is coming out already. Hey, 40 uh, years of survey and he knows what he needs in the field. Exactly. Let's move on to Ryan, Ryan, Ryan S. Let's go with that. Ryan, tell us a uh, number of years you've been serving, what uh, your current role is, who you work for. And if you had to have one thing in your vehicle during a blizzard in which you're stranded, what would that be? 
one thing in my vehicle or one food item? One food item. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, so my name is Ryan Swingley. I'm the geospatial manager for ESP Associates in our Indianapolis office. Um, I've been surveying for 24 years. Um, the, I've been with ESP for eight years. In the last 10 years of my career, I've focused primarily on uh, mobile LIDAR acquisition, processing, static LIDAR, a um, little bit of UAV stuff here more recently. Um, if I had to choose a single food item, I don't know, maybe a big bag of dried beans or something like that, you know, make a big <laughs> pot of chili or something. Yep, yep, yep. Just hope your wife's not along with you. You know, no one knows. Uh... <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Phil Fedor, you're up next, buddy. Yeah. Hi, uh, Phil Fedor. Yeah, I'm uh, a surveyor for um, Bowman Consulting or a national firm. Uh, engineering and uh, land surveying and uh, uh, consulting. I work in the Tempe office, uh, Tempe, Arizona. Um, I'm a project manager. Uh, only recently, within the last two years, I've moved from the field to the office, and I will celebrate 30 years mm. of surveying this July. Um, that's when I started my career back in New York. And uh, so what I would want to have in the truck or the car with me in a blizzard, uh, jerky, venison jerky to be specific. So Good choice. These good guys choice. all have like wise answers. I'm yeah. like, I want well, old. These guys burrito. are old. They're old. They think. <laughs> They're I want smart. hot dogs and <laughs> strategic. You're like, I want, I want like cheese whiz. Yeah, and I want like things that. cooked and ready for me. I want to have a meal prepared. I don't want it. These are survivors. God, I hope you never get stuck in a blizzard shoes. <laughs> no, we'll never see you again. <laughs> there are no blizzards out here. All right. So the general topic of this episode is field notes. So, you know, let's, we're going to, we're going to tuck on, tuck. Touch on the importance and fundamentals of field notes for the various type of serving projects that our listeners perform. So real quick, some general information that I'm just going to kind of read off here and then we're going to get into it and you guys are going to jump in and tell us everything you know about field notes. So real quick, four bullet points that I made note of for field notes. Field notes are prepared to record all pertinent information, measurements, calculations, sketches, and observations made by the surveyor during the course of the survey. Can't argue with that. These notes become the permanent record of survey. Can't argue with that. Big deal. Notes should be examined and checked for accuracy, legibility, completeness, and clarity before leaving the field. The individual recording the field notes may not be the same person reading the field notes later. The notes must be taken so that individuals with similar technical backgrounds can properly interpret the notes, correctly read the numbers, and understand their meaning. So... It's a pretty broad topic, but let's kind of touch on some general things here real quick. And each of you guys are going to get a chance to answer this. So the importance of field notes from a crew chief's perspective. I want each of you guys to kind of tell me one reason why field notes should be considered important from a crew chief's perspective. So Phil Fedora, I'm going to let you go first. Well, uh, what I look for as a, as a crew chief, when I, when I jump on a job and um, say I've been, uh, I'm the second man on the job. I want to have an idea of where things are on the project. Uh, where's control? What kind of control is it? How is that control established? And it's quite easy to look into, look in a field book and see if there was a GPS calibration or if somebody used the, uh, was uh, conventional and set up a total station 
and did it the old fashioned way with a back sight and a foresight and which, which control they used. So that's what I look for initially. Yep. Really good stuff. Um, let's do this. Let's talk about the survey text perspective. Why are the feelings important from a survey tech perspective? So Ryan S why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the, the crew chief is the eyes and ears of, of any office personnel. And in today's day and age, not many of our techs and PLSs uh, go out to the field on a regular basis. So obviously we're relying on that, uh, that party chief to be those eyes and ears and, and relay any important pertinent information, uh, you know, to the team back in the office. So uh, from a tech's perspective, you know, the party chief's laying out the story of the survey. Absolutely. So you kind of covered on that one, the survey tech perspective, as well as the LS perspective. So Phil uh, Adams, what I'm going to ask you is from a court's perspective, talk about the importance of field notes. Well, I spent a lot of time in court or trying to avoid being in court because I was an expert <laughs> witness. Uh, we, we try not to get uh, anything into court. However, even in the preliminary stages, all of the uh, disclosure that you go through, the field notes are the genesis of your survey. Everything is rooted on those field notes. You can have a flawless survey, but if your field notes don't support it, court's gonna reject your findings. So it's, it's absolutely imperative to have those field notes uh, as perfect as possible. Absolutely, perfect lead-in. So there's different types of field notes, right? There's the old school, which I am used to doing, and I expect from all of my party chiefs, handwritten or original field notes are those recorded in a hardbound field book at the time the measurements are taken. There's also electronically recorded field notes printed in a field book format and bound in a three-ring binder. Um, things are a little bit different these days. You know, I'm used to, you know, literally keeping track of everything handwritten in a field, in a field book. Now, of course, the, all the technology that we have, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much, how much value is put on the field book versus the electronic field book that is, you know, provided from the instrumentation that we use. So I would like for each of you guys to talk a little bit about that. Phil Fedor, tell us about handwritten field notes versus electronically generated field notes. Well, it depends on what application you're, you know, you know, you're working in, number one. If I'm working in a, uh, if we're doing a topo, we're doing a boundary survey, I like to see the handwritten notes to, you know, tell me what, where the, where the control was, what, how, what condition it was in, what they, what they encompass, what they encumbered on, uh, what they encountered as they're surveying, as, as they're going across the property. You know, was there a fence? How bad was the fence? Was it dilapidated? Was it, would they find fence remnants in trees? You know, uh, you know, what was the condition of the monuments they found? That's where I'm looking for in a, in a handwritten, in a construction layout situation. I don't look for near as much of that. I don't look for everything that's written down, you know, everything that's written down on every stake and every calculation, even though that's the way I was trained and that's how I do things, I will lay it out all on, on a field book for everybody to follow. But if we record that electronically and we have proof of what we measured then versus what was supposed to be on the plan, and, and we can back that up when when called out, then that's it, that, I got no problem with that. Um, so that's that in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan Swingley, why don't you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, I mean, 
for me, there's, I don't want to say there's little place for paper notes today, um, but I'm definitely uh, very pro electronic notes um, because electronic notes don't lie, right? I mean, I can take a raw file from a data collector and, and, and typically like a, a job file from a particular manufacturer is, is unedible. Uh, the only thing you can edit is a, is a byproduct of that, like a text file or a, um, a secondary file that can convert it to you. So from that perspective, I really like the data integrity of electronic notes. And what I would say is there's, when it comes to like a boundary perspective and a, uh, a topographic perspective, to me, I mean, you can add a, a, a written note to any code or any shot. You can add attribution. You can take photos and attach it to points these days. Um, so from that perspective, I find that there's little use of paper notes uh, line connectivity is happening in the field, you know, on a daily basis. So there's really very little need for a sketch. I can throw, I can take and export out a KMZ of all my control points um, and use that as a, you know, general location of where my control's at. I guess I'll come back to the construction side of things. And what Phil had talked about earlier is that book of the information when a project gets handed over to the next party chief and the next party chief and the next party chief. That's where I kind of see paper notes as kind of that, like I said earlier, the story of the survey and, and what's been done to date um, as, as of more importance to me. Um, but on the topographic boundary side, I don't, I don't see as much need for um, paper notes save, like you're going to take some parole testimony and actually notarize it in the field. Um, that would be maybe the only situation I could see that being extremely useful. Interesting. Really good stuff. Um, so Phil Adams, you're kind of the oldest, wisest guy of the bunch. Tell us about your perspective on handwritten field notes versus electronic field notes. Well, they're both very valuable. Uh, I think they, uh, Ryan brings up a good point. There's a lot of data that's stored in the data collectors. It's processed. It's raw data. Um, but I look at that as like paragraphs in a book. And I look at the handwritten notes as the footnotes describing when and where something occurred. Because they, you have to trace it back somehow. So if you have a handwritten note that says, uh, this is the party I was with, this is the date, et cetera, the same old stuff. I sat up here, backsided here, and I collected points between one and 1,000. Then your raw data is what you used to have to write angles and distances and all that down. So really you're just kind of capturing uh, the story that we're telling. So yeah, the, uh, as far as the legal remedies of it, the closest to actual uh, occurrence is what the courts look at. So if you're in the field and you're taking handwritten notes, those are more valid than the collected data that's processed later. So there's a there's an order, a dignity of call, so to speak, in the, the chain of title of how these notes were created. So you want to get those handwritten notes, even if it's not specific to the details, but what day it was, who did it, and what generally, what, what were you trying to accomplish? So, so those those are being written parts. I'm not a PLS. So I'm I'm learning on the fly with but you. But you guys. stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. I did. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so, like Phil was just saying, with the courts and everything, they're taking your word as a professional over electronic data in the court. And then also, it seems like there's just kind of this artistic part of the field notes that's lost electronically. Would you guys agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you guys? Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I that was a that was one of the selling points when I was uh, 
when I was in school that surveying is an art and a science. So it's not just the art of using, evaluating evidence and reconciling the, the written word versus what's on the ground, but it's also yeah, telling the story of the survey. And that art is in the field notes. If you look back at field notes from you know, the 80s, the, the 1980s and earlier, and look at what these guys write, it's, it's, it's beautiful almost. I mean, because <laughs> they tell you what they did through their day. And um, that's the report. That's what they saw. And that's what they conveyed to their to the office so they could de deliver something to their client. And um, then that art transfers into the final product. Nowadays, we have auto line work. It draws all the back of curb lines together and the sidewalks together. We don't have to do that by hand, but the finished product is still a piece of artwork. And I take pride in that survey that I stamp that tells the client what their piece of property, what's on their piece of property and what affects it. So, yeah, for sure. So Ryan, uh, Ryan S let's call him. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of the work that you do primarily at this point is related to scanning, whether it be terrestrial scanning, mobile scanning, um, you know, LIDAR, that type thing. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in that case, for those type of projects, what is some of the, like, what, what is the minimal information that you want to see in field notes? There's got to be something that's, you know, handwritten down that can't be captured electronically. What is that information? Well, I mean, on static surveying, especially when you're doing like cloud to cloud registration, uh, you know, a general sketch of where the scans were taken, uh, especially if you're going to jump around the site is, yeah. is pretty helpful. Um, you know, typically, I spent a good part of my career sorting out, uh, you know, a lot of surveys where no notes were taken. So I got pretty good at, you know, dealing without them. But uh, on the mobile side, you know, there's not a lot that we take notes of. Um, we might take some general notes if we had problems with a particular trajectory or record uh, that we would want deleted. But most of that can get noted in the in the software. We used to record like start and stop times of our of our pause data, but that's all recorded electronically. Um, so, you know, kind of circling back a little bit, I mean, you know, uh, electronic data, like, especially with like a GPS rover, right. I, I know every second that a shot was taken, um, in, in history. So, I mean, it's, it's very powerful to have that level of inf information, uh, at your fingertips if you know how to harness it. Um, and I, and I'm all for the art, uh, of surveying. But, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier, and I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. You know, Jake went and watched the plane behind him land. He didn't go watch a Conestoga wagon roll into, you know, a, a station somewhere. He went and watched a plane. So, you know, at, at some point in time, we got to let, let uh, the old ways die and, and, and move forward with new ways. So. Jake would go watch a wagon come into the. Barn. Oh come on! Oh, you would totally, yeah, watch, would totally watch. You'd be like, "Look at those wood wheels." Those no, are get with the times. Ryan's right. Get with the times. <laughs> Only if it was made by Boeing. Oh yeah. If that wagon was made by Boeing, look at this Jake Boeing. Would be there. Boeing seven sixty seven wagon. <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> I, Phil Adams. I mean, you've been serving longer than probably pretty much on this show. Uh, what's your response to that? Well. Uh, as far as letting the old ways go, we have uh, a, I have a survey manager who works for me who's older than I am, much older. Uh, and we were talking about that today is if you don't understand the fundamentals of what the equipment's doing, uh, chaining, plumb bob, the whole thing, kind of having that concept, 
getting back when the equipment has a failure or question, you need to be able to go back to the old way just to challenge that new technology. Uh, we use heavy photogrammetry and uh, LIDAR. We're constantly checking uh, ground observation, ground truthing to compare it in conventional survey. We still run an actual closed level loop on every uh, GPS point that we do. There's just safeguards that when I first got into survey and believe it or not, we didn't have the uh, all the fancy equipment we do now. We had some old uh, HP distance meters. We would turn angles of the transit, pull it off, leave the tribe rack on, mount a big HP up and start dialing in the distances. Um, but our party chiefs at the time, they were licensed surveyors as party chiefs, but they didn't trust it. So we pulled out the chain, 200 foot gunners chain, plumb bobs going uphill, using tensioning, checking temperature, did the whole thing. Yep. Uh, at some point they finally let go, but we kept saying, you gotta let go, you gotta let go. We gotta take advantage of the new. And I think to Ryan's uh, point, I think we'll let go of some of the, uh, the use of it, but we can't let go of the history. Example of the plane, we don't, we can't look at that plane and not know the history of how that plane got here. How is it flying? And the next generation of anti-gravity devices and all that, we'll still have to go back to the root, the core. So everything that we're doing, we have to go back to the core root of the development, whether it's the survey or the equipment that we use to get the survey. Totally. I agree with that. Yeah, totally agree for sure. So Phil Fedora, you and I have been surveying about the same amount of time. Uh, I know that when I first started surveying in Southern Illinois, like traversing, you know, around sections, so basically four miles around, you know, we would have these field notes where you'd have double turn angles, you'd have, you know, distance one way, distance, distance, you know, back the other way. And then I would have to go in the office and like enter all that information into a, a Kogo program and close the traverse and this type of thing. So obviously, you know, I, I don't know that happens so much anymore, especially here in Arizona. We're so freaking spoiled here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. Phil Fedora, I mean, I would ask you this. I know you've done a lot of construction surveying. I mean, what is the importance of, you know, field notes, especially because, you know, like you were for a company where, let's say you've got, you know, whatever, 10 crews and you have a construction staking project where you might have five different crews out there. I mean, what's important to be shown in the field book for these other crews to follow behind your footsteps? Well, that's exactly it. Following in the footsteps of the surveyor before you. That's what we all been doing. That's one of the fundamentals. And on a construction site, you know, is a microcosm of that where the surveyor that initially set everything up should be leaving behind. Well, where is my control? How did I establish that control? What can I, what's my line of sight if I'm going to do, do this conventionally, you know, I can't use GPS for everything. Uh, so I'm going to do, I'm going to need to do, you know, with the total station. So what can I see from there? Do I, I don't, I don't think these guys use natural backsites anymore with robotics, but um, I know I certainly didn't. Because I just uh, I didn't uh, I, I didn't learn that much about robotics before I moved into the office, but um, you still got to follow in the footsteps of the guy. Uh, you got to leave a trace, a paper trail for the guy behind you. So now you're on vacation, or you move. You know, the, the, your party chief goes to a different job, gets fired, gets thrown in jail, or whatever happens. To these party chiefs these days, the new guy coming in has to has to be able to move in smoothly without seamlessly and take care of this contractor who's jumping up and down and barking at them because things aren't getting laid out so they can get this stuff built and meet their timeline. 
So we that those field notes help make that a seamless transition. So that way, the second party chief coming in can take care of the client. Yep, so. really good stuff. So Ryan Swingley, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to you. Come full circle. So you know, uh, per Phil F, I mean, you, it's really important to leave a handwritten diary of field notes, you know, but that might include sketches of where the control is, you know, all kinds of different information. Is that information, is it possible to convey that information via an electronic field book, right? Well, so let me ask you, I mean, you're talking about a situation where it's internal to his own company, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a, we have a party chief A goes out and does a certain amount of work. Party chief B comes and follows behind him. So when Phil goes and does a boundary survey and at company A and company B goes and follows in his footsteps, do they ever have access to those field notes? Very well, rarely, right? Very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. Extremely rarely, I would say, unless you really know company A and company B have a good relationship, you're almost never going to get those field notes. Um, where I think field notes are extremely important you know like we i do a lot of route surveying so i spend a lot of my career doing route surveying so getting the old notes um and i still use a lot of government notes right i'll use topographic calls on creeks and streams to to as um as evidence of where section corner you know supportive evidence where section corner is where it should be um so i think those are extremely important that that information certainly could be you know added into a, a very detailed surveyor's report for the boundary survey to follow in those footsteps. So, um, you know, we guess we got to keep that in context on, on, on how is company A and B going to share that information. And then they rarely are, uh, in, in the, in the, the, um, in the route surveying world, a field book's going to be turned in to the state. And then you could recall historical field books. Mm. Although in Indiana, where I'm at, the field book is basically a, a digital report. Uh, it's on eight and a half by 11 sheets now. And, and there's really not much in that field book that couldn't already be on the location control route survey plat. So um, I already see people moving away. So again, this is a kind of that, if we're going to follow in the footsteps, we're going to use that argument for field notes. How are the, how the company's going to get those field notes? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff right there. So Phil Adams, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I, like I said, you've been, you've been doing this pretty much longer than anybody. Um, where, where are you at as far as electronic field notes versus handwritten field notes? Does it depend on the type well, of project you're doing or, you know, what, what's your perspective on that? Well, we take notes on every project, but we're heavy construction, but we also do large uh, cadastral boundaries, uh, various types. It's really a combination. Uh, when we're on construction, we have electronic cut sheets and the raw data. We have a calculated point. We have a staked point. Those, those files are, locked away and there's nothing to do, but we still have a supported evidence of, we sat here, backsided here, we, our HI, our rod height. We write those things down because when you write them down, it means you're measuring and doing it. Uh, when we start uh, measuring something, calling it out to somebody and they're just entering the data, you have uh, another hiccup in the chain and you, that's where mistakes are made. Mm. So if the party chief is writing the notes, he's measuring, he's, he, he either measures, has somebody call out, and he writes it. So there's kind of checks and balances with the field notes. Um, I'm an old fashioned person. Even my accounting, I, I do duplicity. I have a check register that sits in my drawer. My bookkeeper has the uh, uh, QuickBooks, but I have a comparison. And that's just my 
training. That's my upkeep. I don't know when I go into court, the field notes are imperative. If I don't have the field notes or if the other side doesn't have field notes, whoever doesn't have good field notes usually loses. Yeah. Uh, you can sit there and talk all you want about your survey, but unless you can prove it, it's difficult. So I think we can migrate towards electronic field books more and more, but you still have to have a certain amount of data that's recorded by the crew chief and by hand on site. Now, with that said, we have a system where every project has a work order. We, when the project manager starts to set up the job, every task has its own assignment. So when we send the crew out, we actually have an assignment electronically. That crew will go out and he'll check off that he's finished that assignment, topo in the creek between this road and that road or whatever the assignment is. Uh, if he does something more, he'll add that other thing. If he doesn't do enough, he'll add that note. So we are having notes kept electronically, but it's just like handwritten because he's typing it in the field on his cell phone into our database. So we're migrating there, like Ryan said, but it, it's not just an automated thing. You're, somebody still has to provide the narrative. Yep, for sure. I think there's a happy medium to be met for sure. What do you think about that, Phil Fedor? Anything else you want to add? Oh, yeah. No, there certainly has to be a, um, a comp not compromise, for lack of a better term. But, yeah, I mean, it, you certainly don't want to throw away the old way, you know, cut the, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, cut your nose off to spite your face, all those cliches. Um, they both have to work hand in hand. You've got to have competent people out there who can record what they're seeing, what they're doing, so that way they can support us in the office when we're making a deliverable or, you know, or whatever we're satisfying our client with. So you get, you, the electronic stuff is great because it can't be edited. You know, I can, you can erase pencil, but you shouldn't erase pencil because we're supposed to be competent people and with integrity. So we're not supposed to be erasing field books. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a marriage of both. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, let's kind of go through the basic field notes checklist because I mean, we can't get away from doing field notes in my opinion. Um, not completely anyway. So let's talk about some of the really general things that need to be included in field notes. Um, Phil Fedora, I'm going to start with you. What are some of the, what are, what's one thing that needs to be included in, in every person's field notes? Well, and if we're if we're writing it, if we're talking about handwritten ones, yep, and handwritten, that's what yes. I'm talking about. Yep. I'm talking about handwritten ones. It's got to be the date, who's there, what equipment you use, and how you named your files. At a minimum, at a minimum, that that gets that started. That's just a headache. Then you got to say, you got to say what control you used. You know, what were your rod heights? What was your base height? Where Where is your base located? Where is Where is your first control point that you set your total station up on? That kind of information. Then you got to add in your level loop if you're going to do a level loop. Where was your bench? What bench did you use? How did you get the information for that bench? Did you pull it off the internet someplace on your phone while you're there? Or was it given to you from the office? You know, is it a county bench? Is it a city bench? Is it NGS point? So that kind of information is what I'd like to see in, a, in you know, initially. 
Yep, for sure. I think you know that's really good stuff. I think it's hard to capture some of that stuff electronically, um, just because of the nature of the type of work that we do, the different type of projects that we're working on. You know, it's such a, a crazy situation every single day that the field book, the handwritten field book, is in fact the diary that needs to be kept. Phil Adams, what would you like to add to that? Oh, I, I mean, that was a great start and a great list of it. Uh, you know, one of my pet peeves was having a North arrow on every single page that has a sketch. There you go. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people start drawing things. And whenever someone else looks at it, it North looks like the other way. Mm. Uh, so it's, uh, it's imperative to have that and draw thing proportional. Uh, it's very difficult when uh, the drawings are substantially out of proportion. You have a, a building five feet from a property line, but it looks a hundred in comparison to everything else. So, uh, the, the guys, the best way to teach these guys how to do it is to have one guy on a crew go out and draw it and the other guy have to come in the office and draft it and they start understanding what they need. Uh, but absolutely, North Arrow is my pet peeve. Mr. Swingley, what could you add to that? Uh, I mean, definitely the weather conditions, uh, any variables that may have happened that would impact uh, productivity or the comfort of the crew. I mean, you think about that, if, if it's cold and and uh, and we didn't do we didn't do a diligent search. Something there could be some reasons why. Um, it's imperative that they run the level notes the exact way that I want them to. There's nothing <laughs> that drives me nothing that drives me crazy than someone who has variable. Like we skip three lines or we put all the stuff on one line. No, no, no. You got to run them the way I want them. That's, <laughs> that's the most important thing. Yeah, really good level notes. I mean, that's that's one thing. I mean, you you would think that's like a slam dunk, but it's amazing to me how so many different people can interpret level notes a different way. Phil, have you seen anything like that before? Well, you know what? It's been several years since I've actually <laughs> looked at level notes because um, we don't do them that often. We're, with the with the projects that we do, um, we're completely confident in what the GPS readings give us. So we don't we don't go run level level circuits like we used to. I mean, when I when Ryan and I were working together uh, twenty years ago back at USI, and I was a construction party chief, that was the norm. We'd set up we'd set up the control for for a job, and then especially on a on a route survey, we'd have the crews break out for okay, you're going to do this block of topo, you're going to do this block of topo. This crew is going to go do inverts, and this crew is going to go run level circuits. And we did a lot of level loop work with that. Um, I don't see it that often anymore. So I, I can't, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Phil Adams, I'm sure you got something to say about that. Well, you know, uh, some people may think it's strange, but we still peg our levels every week. I mean, we, every job we use levels. Now being heavy construction, GPS just flat out by itself is not adequate for hardscape construction uh, when you're on network. If you, you can do all the checks you want, uh, but it has a floating variable of about two tenths so that you just can't mean out in the construction. So we do things robotically, but we, we have to run a level loop on every single job because you just can't, you have to know what your precision is going to be uh, to know which tool to use. And uh, a level, we never lose an argument when we run a level loop on a construction site. So true. Just on GPS only. Yep, for sure. So a couple things. I mean, you guys mentioned most of the things I wanted to make sure we touched on. But um, again, I'm old school. 
So uh, for every job, when you get a field book, the first thing you need to do, in my opinion, is you got to number all the pages of the field book, right? And there's going to be a table of contents so you can keep track of everything that's um, you know, and incorporated to every page. And there should be a title page with the, that includes the project number, units of measure. You might think that's crazy, but of course you have international feed, survey feed, blah, blah, blah. It's important to document that stuff. The datum that you use, start and end date for each project definitely has to be included. And uh, I think Ryan Swingley mentioned it, you know, the date, the weather, crew members' names, duties of uh, each crew member, that type thing, that all has to be documented. And a lot of people listening might be like, oh my God, that's overkill. We don't do that. You know, we just set up our GPS and we do this and that and we just go. You Definitely know? old school. Yeah, I'm totally old school. Yeah, no question about it. But I, I but again, I think that's CYA type stuff, it's you know. accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Swingley, add to that. So, you know, I want to kind of circle back to what, what Phil, uh, Philip was talking about um, a little bit. There's two kinds of surveyors. There's the surveyors that have been to court and those that haven't. Exactly. So I've never, I've never been to court. So my perspective is probably going to be very different compared to those that have been to court. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with some of the things you're saying um, as, as far as, as, as putting all that information down on paper, but that can be set up in the properties of the job. I mean, you could, in, in an electronic file, you could definitely, there's nothing that you can't put in there that we've, that we've mentioned that can be put in as a note at the very beginning of a project. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'll play devil's advocate a little bit in that capacity. Um, and the thing I love about electronic, so I think I, we talked about, you know, a little bit before the, the chat, there was a, there was a picture on, on a, on a, user group somewhere that of a, of a field note that fell down in the bottom of a manhole. Right. So, I mean, paper copies are extremely loose. I mean, you can lose them in a heartbeat. Like I, when I was in college, we did a very large topo as one of our college projects and it started raining. We went back to the, to the office or to our classroom. And on the way I kicked the field book out of the truck and it got swept down the, the gutter of the curb. And into an inlet, and it was gone forever. That that information was gone forever. Now the same thing can be said for electronic information. I mean, you could drop a data collector, but in today's day and age, with cloud syncing and stuff, I mean, there's so many ways that you can that you can mitigate that from losing data. Because there's nothing I hate more than going out and having to redo something. That drives me crazy. Uh, you can replace a data collector. You can replace a paper field book, but you certainly cannot replace the contents within it. Mm. Good stuff. One of, the thing, one of those things on that, Ryan, I, that just my experience in court is again, the closest to the original is going to hold. So all of those things, like you said, can be lost. Uh, the field notes, the worst case scenario that you're going to lose is a day because every day those field notes should be copied and put into your system. So, and all of those field notes are supporting evidence or supporting documents to the data that you collected. And again, it's an old school thing. I think uh, there's definitely a generational, uh, we used to sit down and write wrapped angles over and over. We had a party chief and an instrument man, a rodman and a chainman. Well, we were all writing stuff down. So it was kind of habitual for us. But we grew up, But I think the next generation, possibly your generation, are used to cell phones, texting and all that. We didn't have, we had a radio in the truck and a base radio at the office. We were fortunate back then in those days. Uh, so if we had some major calculation, we pull out a Monroe 
and start calculating, but we would get on the radio and ask them to calculate it on the big machine in the office. Uh, so we did a lot of things different. I think a lot of my generation, the writing down is imperative. And it also depends on the judge that you get. If you get an older judge, he, he's going to look at the guy that has the written field notes. Uh, you get a younger judge. He may look at the guy that's got the electronic data. It's about trust. Mm. Uh, so at, at the end of the day, it's up to you as professional convince, uh, you know, the judge that yours is the best. And if I can have handwritten notes and I can kind of almost guarantee that I don't get questioned as much as somebody who didn't, it's simple enough just to keep the notes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, to add to that, I mean, when do you, and when do you think the courts start setting precedent that electronic information is more, more valuable? I mean, it's like you're talking about, you can add a note to this or you guys make comments on a cell phone and that gets synced automatically to the cloud. And that those type of that type of information is unedible. If when a, if a if a, a field book was lost or a field book could be fabricated, right? Paper copies, paper documentation could be absolutely fabricated after the fact. Everything can be uh, electronic. Can be. Uh, I think the history of my, my uh, court cases that I'm aware of, they want to see the moment that something was done, they went the closest to that creation. It's like an eyewitness report. You know, somebody that tells the story an hour after an incident is going to look at a little bit more credible than 24 hours because your memory changes. So guys that do, uh, if you entered uh, the work order ahead of time into your system, so all of your notes are going to already be there. We already know the rod height is a two meter rod. We know these things, so we enter it. So then you go out on site and you start collecting because all that stuff is there, but somebody else goes out and they hand write down the power or the uh, rod was uh, two meters, but we had an adapter on it. So we had to add 1500s. Well, you might not add that to those electronic notes because those are subjective to being, or they could be done in the office ahead of time. So a judge won't know that. But if you have text messages that's dated and timed, photographs that's dated and timed, those are absolutely just as good as a handwritten note if they're dated and timed. Yeah, I will add to that that there's there's certainly a level of intimacy with the data when you handwrite it down. So I, I mean, I, I got I feel you there, yeah. um, and 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 the inability to call to the office and say, "Hey, can you calc this for me, or can you do this for me?" Right? We've gotten a little weak with the reliance on the technology. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, Phil Fedor, you got anything on that? Add to that? No, I I really don't. I mean, I I I I love the idea of taking photographs and using and using the the electronic data, uh, electronic note taking the for the timestamps that go along with it. Boy, if I can convince my guys to take fit pictures, boy, that would make my life a lot easier. It'd help the drafters out quite a bit too. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to merge both of them together to tell the story of the survey, whatever kind of survey it is, whether it's a boundary or construction layout or whatever the case may be. Yeah, well, I mean, Phil, that was well said. You know, I mean, with the technology we have available to us, you know, with the cell phones, with LiDAR scanners or LiDAR sensor basically built into it. I mean, there's, there's so much technology available to us that we can incorporate into this record keeping 
um, to ultimately cover our asses. Because, I mean, right now, I mean, when it comes to surveying, depending on the type of project, actually all projects, it's more about CYA than anything else. I mean, of course, you're doing a good job, but um, you have to cover your ass because we live in a very uh, litigious Right, yes. society. Jinx. Yeah, and uh, he owes me a soda. Yeah, and I mean, you have to cover your ass on this stuff. Um, Phil Adams. I mean, do you agree with that? Absolutely. One of the things I was going to say is we've actually used the technology. Uh, about six or seven years ago, we bought an inexpensive drone to start our photogrammetry department. We started doing uh, uh, drone photos for every single boundary we do. And because if we, in every photo, we do a compilation uh, mosaic in order to underlay and kind of get some flat work drawn in if there's sidewalks, things like that, things that are not really dimensioned, but they're eyewash on the survey. So we started using it for that purpose. But every photograph associated with that mosaic is stored in a database that has a date and time. So we have that type of record as well. But we still have a handwritten field book that says, this drone flight occurred on this date and this time. This was the drone we used. So that way we do have a handwritten note to say that we have the data. But the uh, photo, our photogrammetry has replaced a lot of hand notes because a picture's worth a thousand words. So look how much we're collecting now with uh, photography. I'm going to send that over to Shoots. So Shoots, <laughs> it's because of you that we don't have field notes anymore. Yeah, no. I Do you want to take that on your Thanks back? Thanks a lot. I, I ruined yeah, way to go, Shoots. Guy. I'm sorry. Aerial guys. <laughs> oh, man. I ruined it all. I'm sorry for everybody. And I'll take my beating later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the man. ironic part is that I'm married to somebody that would love field notes more than anybody else in the yes, world. Yes, yes. Field <laughs> notes. Field notes. You're gonna go to sleep so, tonight thinking about field notes. No, but but what Phil was saying of you know having that date and time stamp that's huge even for mm -hmm. our normal photogrammetry. It's just uh, yeah, you know, for sure. It's a record. Yep, it really is, and that's uneditable. Yeah, if exactly. Ineditable. Uh, uneditable. Un I like that. That's, I think that's a good word. I don't know. I don't Might know be three how, words. I don't know which good. way that one goes, but yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not going to be changed. You can even edit those photos. Ah, <laughs> come on. Oh my god! You got to be pretty good at it to do that, though. <laughs> that is so true, though. You know, I mean, with the technology and again, like Photoshop and stuff like that. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, there's so much that a person who uh, didn't have really knows who has a Jake on staff. They can yeah, get it done. There's a lot no of time. stuff that can be on retainer, done, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so let's talk about just real quick. I want to touch on this. So, uh, so like Ryan Swingley, you are you know primarily in the the scanning world or realm right now. I mean, are there at least? I mean, is there a minimal amount of field note that you want to see with all your projects or is everything literally electronic at this point in time yeah for me i mean it's everything's electronic um we don't do a lot of traditional surveying and, and really the importance of of whether it's electronic or whether it's it's on paper you know that surveyor the the field surveyor has got to convey pertinent information to the to the office staff um that can be done in an email uh, maybe that's probably not the best location for it. It's probably better embedded in that raw file. Um, but again, I think we're, you know, it's a little bit, I, I think if we all agree that the information um, from the field crew is extremely important. It's just what's the delivery system. Mm. For me, it's primary electronic. There are certain things we're doing sanitary structure details or, or storm structure details. It's probably more efficient to just write those down on a piece of paper. 
snap a photo of them, you know, send them back to the office or whatever. Um, but I've also toyed around with the idea of doing that through attribution, you know, right in the field. Yep. So for sure. I am trying, I'm trying to go, you know, extra all the way electronic. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, Phil Adams, I mean, you're, you're primarily in the construction world of this, um, probably a little bit different than the type of work that what, uh, Ryan Swingley does. I would have to believe that field notes play a little bit more important role in the type of work that you're doing. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Especially in land development, we're doing a lot of boundary surveys, so you can't get away from a handwritten note to say what corners you're finding evidence of boundary lines or any, you know, offsets to roads, all those things have to be written down to a degree. Uh, I think one of the things we're trying to do and in, in our own way is getting rid of, not necessarily getting rid of notes, but trying to avoid transposition errors, uh, human errors, just user errors. Uh, we're actually investigating uh, inverted scanning technology. So that when we pop a lid on a manhole, yep. we can just scan the manhole instead of having the traditional eight by 11 sketch of a manhole and writing it down. We found a lot of times somebody will measure and it's supposed to be 818 and they put 118 or mm. 818 or something, they write it down wrong. Uh, and then they don't always see uh, maybe an elevated line coming in, something along those lines. So yeah, we're, we're using technology uh, to capture the data quicker and faster. And that way the picture's worth a thousand words. So, but when it comes to certain things, you just have to write down the history of how you got to where you're at. Yep, without question. So Phil Fedor, I'm going to come to you next about boundary surveying, but I want to circle back here with Phil Adams on the construction staking side of things. Because I've said for the longest time, I mean, when I've worked for companies that did a lot of construction staking, there's always that that human uh, human aspect of it, right? You you take a shot, you see the cut or you see the fill, whatever, you write in the field notes, and then you write it on the on the lath, right? Mm -hmm. Well, who knows that there's no way of knowing that what is transposed from the field notes to the lath actually happens. You know, just like you talked about, it could be, you know, cut eight, one, eight, while it gets written as cut eight, eight, one or something like that, you know? And so I'm just, I got to the point when we were doing a lot of construction staking, I'm just like, take pictures of every single freaking lath you set after you've written on it. That's the only way we can cover our asses at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to do it. I mean, it's, uh, it, it adds a little bit more time to what you're doing uh, if you're taking a picture of every stake after you've written on it. But that, the transfer of that information is all about communication yeah, if, you're, if you're working with you know, more than one man. If you're a one-man crew, you end up with a lot of errors that way because there's no checks on that. You know, it's just you got nobody to, to to look at your notes, to look at your calculations and to look at what's written on the stake to tell the, you know, to say, hey, you know what, that, that doesn't look right. You know, um, but if you're you're transferring that information and you, you the the chief and the instrument man are talking to each other like, OK, cut three, three twenty. And then the other guy repeats cut three twenty. They write three twenty. Then you got to look and say three twenty. You got to look at the Latin. It says that. But then the last thing with me is in the field book, it says cut 320. So what I say in the field book is what I wrote on the lath. And that's when the lath goes away and the contractor's saying, what, this is wrong. You guys screwed up. No, there it is. It's in my field book. I wrote it down that day. That was mm. the cut. That was the right. The yep. math, the, the arithmetic checks, you can check it and you can look at it. Your evidence is gone. I still got mine. 
I'm right. <laughs> oh my gosh. We just, we just need the data collector to print out a QR code that you can just stick right on the lath and they can just go scan it. Hey, I love it. I think it's a <laughs> yeah. great idea. Yeah. That is a isn't great that, idea. Isn't that what that drone thing yes. was? Yes. Last just year just with the, with the automatic, yep. yeah, that uh, Extreme was doing. Yep, pretty much. You go up there with your cell phone and it's got a QR, QR code on top of the it's state. It's got all the information. Yep, you scan that available. and it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. We're, we're, I think we're gradually moving towards that oh I would my say. goodness you dinosaurs yeah. are, are are you know gonna be in the tar hey, pits you gotta love us enough. you gotta love our uh, us dinosaurs yeah. I'm, I'm an old school guy so i appreciate that yeah well swing like is way too advanced for me <laughs> yeah i mean i just i i can't when it when i think about field notes i thought about this conversation all this week the construction one is the one i always come back to that yeah. the paper notes are extremely important Yep, for sure. Oh, I mean, I I second everything that Phil just said. Yep, absolutely. Phil Adams, uh, I'm going to give you the last word on that. You got anything you want to add? You know, again, we're trying to capture as much as we can electronic field books with cut and fills. We're also like we actually stake a point, and then we collect the point. Right. Uh, th- that way, we have a collective value. So when you stake it, it tells you cut and fill. When you collect it, it also tells you differential, and we'll write the actual elevation down on it so it's a cut but we also write the elevation so there's if there's a if there's a conflict at that point one of somebody wrote one of those numbers wrong at least it's catchable so we do that and we also assign we write a point number on the stake as well we also go further we color code our stakes um, as far as our nails we use uh, little whiskers on every 60d nails so if we're we have red blue orange etc a lot of times these contractors come back and they'll pull a stake to say Hey, this see it says this offset. And I said, well, that's a yellow stake, and we stake that with pink, so that's not even our stake. So there's <laughs> things that you can do with color coding and all that. But but when we do that in the field book, the handwritten field book, we write down, make sure color code red is we're doing electrical or whatever the colors match. So again, we st- we still go back to handwritten note. Yep, awesome, fantastic. So we we were. We're about an hour into this already. Yep. All right. So let's do this. Um, we could do this all night, boys. We could do this all night. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm looking. No, at, we can't. I'm looking. <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> I can't have another one of these. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Phil, 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 F, Phil F has a wife to attend to. Uh, I understand that. <laughs> all right. Mine so, knows Tuesday nights are off limits. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of looking through everything. I mean, we've pretty much covered everything. And I'm going to give each of you guys kind of a chance to, you know, last word, what have you. If you haven't touched on anything about field notes, please do. I'm going to start with Phil Fedor first. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, it, it's just one of those things is that it, you, it, for all the party chiefs out there, you, your job is to tell the story of what's going on out there. You're the eyes and ears of the field uh, for the office. Bingo. And you've got to be able to, you've got to be able to convey that story to us. And so that way we can, that way we can uh, take care of our contractors or uh, our clients, whatever, and whatever the case may be. So we rely heavily on you guys to be able to you know, draw that picture for us, whether it be in words and numbers or actual drawings. So. Yep. Yep. Great answer there. Uh, Ryan Swingley. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything Phil said for sure. Information is power. Uh, whether yeah. the information is captured on paper, electronically, there's a timestamp associated with it. All of that information is, is, is extremely useful in, in covering your ass. So, um, 
you know, the more information we can get, the better. Uh, communication between field crews and, and office staff is, is extremely important. Um, so that field book should be considered to be, a, you know, like I said, the story of the survey, the communication path between the field and the office. Yep. It's a diary. Uh, Phil Adams, what else would you like to add to that? Just the completeness of the field notes. You, a lot of people do a, a field notes just so they can say I did field notes, but they're not complete. Mm, yep. We had a good example about two years ago, our crew went out, located a bunch of information on a boundary survey, located two ends of a stockade fence, uh, didn't note that it was treed or brush or didn't make any notations of it. So fast forward, we get a call a few months ago, there started construction and found out there was a railroad tie retaining wall that was underneath that fence. So we showed a fence, but no retaining wall. We didn't do the topo on it, so they wouldn't have seen the elevation difference. But nonetheless, that's going to cost somebody some money because we failed to locate something imperative. So the, it's what you put down is just as important as if you put it down. Mm. It's got to be complete. So a lot of these newer guys, they go, oh, okay, let me get the two fence corners and go on. I think us as a society of surveyors, need to do a better job explaining to the crews and the party chiefs why things are important and assign money and dollar values to these things. Because whenever you don't locate a railroad retaining wall on the property, it can cost in this situation about 150 grand to fix. So that's a, that's a whole lot of money to pay. Uh, I would rather keep field notes and uh, absorb the cost there than in lawsuits or settlements. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think about it from like a, a party chief perspective right just taking into consideration the story that you just told if i was a party chief i would want to make sure that i take the most complete field notes possible mm -hmm. because if it ever comes back to a lawsuit and it comes back to me as a party chief i want to be like hey i've got my name i've got my date i've got my weather i've got this i've got that blah 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 everything my ass is covered as a party chief, right? <laughs> that, that CYA folder. Exactly, exactly. That's where I. That's the position I would want to be in as a party chief, for sure. You guys agree with that? I, yep. I explained it to a party chief recently, a young guy. Uh, we did do a boundary survey recently, which is a rarity for us. And, and he went out and shot some monuments and just said, you know, five eighths and three bar. And I told him, I said, let's say that I was going to hook you up on a blind date. What kind of questions are you going to start asking about that girl? Right. Oh, that's that's awesome. the same information that I want to know about anything that you're looking. Oh like my that. god, I'm that is, use it. I'm using that. That is awesome. <laughs> I'm using that. that is awesome. Really good. Really good. What do you want on Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gonna swipe right or left on yeah. this? Yeah. Right? You're at your party chief Tinder. <laughs> Boy, I can tell the generational gap between y'all's comments and mine. I hey, that was big shoes. That was me. I I've never <laughs> actually used Tinder. I've only oh, heard of it. Oh come on! No, I've been married way too long. Oh my God. That's you so pulled awesome. that one out way too quick. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, guys. Hey, listen, thank you so much for being here. This has been great. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that'll do it for this one, boys. Kudos for making this another value adding friend making show. God, that was awesome. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all social media outlets by searching for the Geoholics. If you have not done so already, Please subscribe, not just like, but subscribe to our YouTube channel and take a second and download the Geoholics app from Lansford United. If you're interested in being a guest on a future show or have a content suggestion, 
please send us an email at info at the geohawks.com. Not only would we love to hear from you, but we're always looking for the next big thing, as they say. Shoots, you're the next big thing. We're going to put some field notes on this one. I love it. <laughs> of please. all the people that comment on there this one. There you go. Please be sure to support our awesome friends of the program every chance you get. Be sure to mention that you are a geoholic for the VIP treatment. Pay it forward. Add value. Make friends. Rose-colored eyes. The touch. Available everywhere. Also a really cool video, right? Shoot, you saw it. Absolutely. I awesome saw it video, right? today. Most importantly, be safe and healthy, everybody. Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS at Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley at CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation at CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash LandSurveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.